Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, February 25th, 2015. Today we are reading from the Big Book, Chapter 4. We are at page 55, Paragraph 1. Today's readers are Penny C., Deb W., Michelle H., and Susie K. The reference number for Tuesday, February 24th, is 7352. That's 7352. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. For our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take Katie, are you still with us? Katie, it sounds like we lost you. Can you hear me? I can hear you now, Katie. Okay. I don't know where you lost me. Um, You're affiliating with any organization or not. (laughs) Okay. Um, Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Nancy G. to read the 12 steps. Thank you, Katie. This is, can you hear me? Yes. Good. This is Nancy G., nearly recovered compulsive overeater. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we were entirely ready to have God remove all of these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these steps in all of our affairs. Pass.
Thank you, Nancy. I will now ask Anita L. to read the 12 traditions. Press star one to unmute, Anita. Katie, this is Melanie. I can do that. Thank you. You're welcome. Good morning. This is Melanie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater calling in from Oregon. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions. Never remind us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you, Melanie. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topics. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 55, paragraph 1. I will ask Penny C. to begin reading. Good morning. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, everybody on the line. This is Penny C., recovered compulsive overreader from the Boston area. Yet we had been seeing another kind of flight, a spiritual liberation from this world people who rose above their problems. 
They said God made these things possible, and we only smiled. We had seen spiritual release, but liked to tell ourselves it wasn't true. Actually, we were fooling ourselves, for just deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. It may be obscured by calamity, by pomp, by worship of other things, but in some form or other, it is there. For faith in a power greater than ourselves and miraculous demonstrations of that power in human lives are fact as, facts as old as man himself. Oh, wow. As we're reading these, the, this chapter this time, and I've read this chapter many, many times on my own and in a group like this or at face-to-face meetings, uh, this time around, I just feel as if I've learned and come to appreciate so much more how an agnostic or an atheist can work this program and get recovered just like I am. My my idea of God has always been a personal God, and it still is. And I... I talk to that God, and, and I, I, again, I see God as a person, and I usually refer to God as him. I don't get into him or her. It's just, you know, God is just God. And, um, but this time around, and thank, thanks to listening to this, this, pro, this, this meeting and hearing people who are not of the same mindset as I as far as a power greater themselves, who don't don't talk about a personal God, but instead have have a a power greater than themselves as spiritual principles. I so now appreciate how they think and respect and and accept their ability to do this program. For so long I was I guess it was arrogance that made me think, why do they have a chapter like this? Because how could an atheist and a, or an agnostic truly work this program? Well, you know, I'm still teachable. I'm still teachable. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm elderly and still learning. So I'm just grateful to the people who have shared and the people who are working this program along with the rest of us and are attaining attaining recovery and and helping me to be more appreciative and open-minded and accepting and respectful of those who have a God that isn't the same as mine. Uh, and that's fine because it says right in our book, God as we understand God. And God can be love, honesty, beauty, Wow, I'm just really, really pleased to have this new weirdness, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Penny. Um, who would like to comment on uh, the second paragraph that was read? Sarah W. This is Larry. Okay, Sarah W. and Larry. Anyone else? Chris, Chrissy M. Chrissy M. Renata. Oh, with, and Renata. Let's go with those four. Uh, Sarah W. Go ahead. Thank you. Good morning, Katie. Thank you for your service. Good morning, Vision for You, Visionaries. Sarah W. Grateful, Recovered, Compulsive, Reader. 
you know, this is one of my very favorite parts of the book. Um, Actually, we were fooling ourselves for deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. And the thought that comes to me is that we are spiritual beings in a human condition, that we all have this part of ourselves that is, you know, truly like untouched and pure and and goodness. Every single human being has this. And, um, you know, it talks about it may be obscured by calamity, um, but demonstrations, and I th- I think about when I think about miraculous demonstrations, you know, we don't get to see the beginning product, most of us. Uh, some of us come in that are brand new, but many of us have been around the room a long time. You know, I've been through relapse, came in about 20 years ago, and we don't see what that what that being was when we walk in. But as we grow, and I think Penny put it so beautifully, you know, we have this uh, personality change. And, you know, when you look back or when people tell you, you just seem so different, you have that sense of gratitude that comes. um, And and I think gratitude is such a huge part of what um, finding a higher power is about. Um, And what it's saying is that, you know, that this great reality is deep within us, that we have this inside of us. We just don't need to allow it to bloom and to grow. And something that has kept coming up for me in the last few days when we've been reading this is all about the idea of to have a real relationship with any human being or anything, my dog, with, with, with God. I need to, you know, nourish it. And nourishment means taking time and spending time and being open to it. And we talk a lot about willingness, but I think open-mindedness needs to be a huge part of our program, and it's, and it's not given enough um, credence. I think that it's extremely important. So if we just look at our day, the fact that we woke up, the fact that we're able to see, the fact that we're able to walk, those are the things that I can say are miraculous demonstrations that, that my higher power has offered me. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sarah. Larry Kay, you're up. Thanks, Katie, for your service. Larry Kay, uh, recovered compulsive warrior from Chicago. Um, I like this notion of a, a miraculous demonstration. And, you know, it makes me think, I mean, here was a, a miraculous demonstration in a man's life. You know, Eddie Thatcher was living proof right there before Bill's eyes at his kitchen table. It was late November 1934. You know, and that was a demonstration of a, that a power greater than himself had restored Ebby to sanity. And, you know, it was said that Ebby was in much worse shape than Bill prior to having his personality change. So here we are, fast forward to February 25th, 2015, and you can set aside all that you thought you knew and trust that there are many people on this line who have, you know, had that very same spiritual awakening as Ebby. And you see, I, I was taken from the scrap heap to a life, you know, that I, I, I simply couldn't have known existed, you know, moving towards this, this God consciousness. And, you know, it started first from an acknowledgement of powerlessness. I was crushed by this, you know, self-imposed crisis. I, I couldn't stick my head in the sand anymore. And in the face of the horrible unmanageability of my life, 
I, I did come to believe that perhaps there was a power greater than myself that would provide the necessary change to rewire my attitudes, emotions, and ideas. And the beauty of this proposition is that it, it was only a matter of being willing to believe. Nothing more was required. So all that skepticism of what could be, you know, cloaked in our skepticism, our doubt, you know, we become helpless to act. And my doubts weren't just unhealthy. You know, they were actually continuing, you know, and contributing to my demise. This disease isn't just an inconvenience. It has the power to kill. And here was something that I learned through direct experience. I found that doubt and skepticism would often revisit me. And it was precisely at those times that I learned to lean into the steps through action. This program is for people who do it. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. And Chrissy, your turn. Hi, I'm Chrissy M., a recovering compulsive reader and anorexic from New Jersey. And this this is a an amazing paragraph that tells me that it's really about an awareness of the presence of God, a God consciousness. And like all of my instincts, I need to I need to connect with other people. I need to eat shelter. I need um, emotional security to be able to have support from other people and give other people my love and support. Those things, I never questioned that that need. I have many times over questioned the need for a God in my life and what role that God plays or or if a God exists. And it it's it's I really compare it to the same question that I heard over and over in twelve step meetings. You know, people who don't have a problem with food never talk about controlling food. It just they eat, they sleep, they talk, they walk. It's just another thing that they do. So just the fact that everyone in the world questions whether there is a God or not a God and it is such a central fact of human beings consciousness and what we talk about and think about it it just makes sense that this statement is true that deep down within us is the fundamental idea of God a creator and and that's enough for me today because I have seen on this line, listened on this line, and I believe and I've seen miraculous demonstrations of God's power in other people's lives. I I recently read um, one of the stories in the back in the the last the last Gaspers the the really powerful stories at the end end of the fourth chapter. Um, the, about the man who describes himself as a as a hobo, and that story, I mean, it 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 just if 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 there was any doubt that there was a God, you read a story like that, a man who went from dropping jumping trains as a hobo to being like a powerful force in AA, getting World Service together and 
doing so much outreach. It's it's amazing what the power of a God consciousness does in other people's lives, and I'm so grateful for those examples, and I hope that I can be an example to other people, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Chrissy. Uh, Renata, your turn. Thank you, Katie. This is Renata G., Recovered Compulsive Raider in New York. Good morning, everyone. Uh, deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. It may be obscured by calamity, by pomp, by worship, or other things, but in some form or other, it is there. I never really understood this paragraph, um, but today what it means to me is that that still small voice that tells me what's the right thing to do was always there, you know, was always inside of me, but I had no access to it. It was, you know, it was blocked until I I went through through the step work and, you know, did my inventory and repaired the damage that I caused in the past, you know, until I got rid of all the, the guilt and shame and remorse and self-centeredness that were blocking me from, from, from this power, from this God, from this voice that gives me direction. And, um, you know, um, I do have a personal God to me, and I ask that God every day for, you know, uh, to help me live by the principles of this program. And there are people in this program that their God is, uh, their God are, are the principles uh, of this program. And uh, I know that even, you know, today, sometimes I'm tempted to act on my character defect. You know, sometimes I want to be dishonest and say something nice to someone just, you know, to make things easier and make people happy. And then there's that still small voice that tells me, Renata, that's dishonest, and then I have to make a choice. Like today, you know, after doing the step work, being recovered, I have access to this voice inside of me that gives me guidance and direction, and then it's up to me to go back into self-will or follow the direction. You know, I have to be open-minded enough to follow the directions of my God of my God um, even if it's not what I want you know and uh, I know that in the past I I, I spent my entire life in selfishness and self-centeredness trying to get what I wanted whenever I wanted because you know I thought that's what I needed to do and today when I'm, I'm in doubt I pause and I ask for the right thought or action. I know that I'm not in control, that I'm not running my life. And so that's what I get from this paragraph. Thanks. Thank you so much, Renata. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Sue G. Hi, this is Rachel. Sasa. Okay, we have... Suji, Rachel, and then Vasa. Go ahead, please, um, Suji. Okay, thanks for your service. And it's Suji. And can I be heard? I never know if I'm unmuted or not. Yes, um, you are. Thank you. Okay. Okay. So um, we have 
Deep down in every man, woman, and child is a fundamental idea of God. It may be obscured by calamity, pomp, worship of other things, but it's there. And we have miraculous demonstrations of that power in human lives. They're facts as old as man himself. So now I have a I have a lymphoma story. I can't help myself. That lymphoma is the God and the devil in one piece. So so I'm with my loved one, and as I've shared here before, lymphoma smacked us in the face. The chronic disease smacked us in the face. The acute phase is working very well. So there is my loved one, my married partner of many years. He's at the lymphoma treatment center, and he's plugged into an IV, and he's a doctor. So guess what? He gets calls on his cell phone while he's getting his IV for his lymphoma. And I'm off getting some personal therapy, which I need to have to stay task and action-oriented. So I'm getting the help I need, and I'm heading back to the lymphoma center. I call him up, and he tells me this story, which just just brings my recovery into full view, and his as well. So the story is that he receives on his cell phone a call from a funeral director who has a death certificate that he wants the good doctor, my husband, to sign. So my husband says, well, I can sign it, but you're going to have to bring it over here to the lymphoma treatment center. What's the cause of death, he says to the to the funeral director. And the funeral director says, lymphoma. <laughs> so I burst out laughing when I hear this, which I hear on this phone call after my therapy. And my husband says, so what he said to the funeral director was, could you do me a favor? Don't wear black when you bring that over for me to sign. That's the end of my story for today. Thank you for listening, and I pass. Thank you, Sue G. And um, Rachel, you're next. Star one to unmute, Rachel. Hi. Yeah, can you hear me? Now we can. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Hi. Good morning, everyone. This is Rachel H. Compulsive overeater calling you from New York. Um, feeling really humbled um, to be on this meeting right now as I am currently struggling in relapse. Um, and I know that when I am struggling in relapse, there's a lot of the big book that can't penetrate me because that's the nature of this disease. The nature of this disease is that it cuts me off from inspiration, meaning kind of flatlines me. But when listening this morning, um, the word that jumped out at me is liberation, this idea of, you know, being liberated. And that part of the insanity of my disease is believing that if I, that being free means I can eat what I want. And that when I eat what I want, um, affirming my sense of being able to do what I want. And um, it's so not true because I can tell all of you out there, as someone who's in the thick of relapse now, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not a free feeling. It's not a, oh, this is so great and everything's wonderful. It's not, it's not at all. Um, so I'm just really grateful to be on the meeting this morning and um, what had I passed. Thank you, Rachel. Vasa, your turn. 
Vasa O. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Katie, for your service. And I'm Vasa O, Recover Compulsive Reader, calling from Florida. And I do have my own, uh, my own personal God that I understand that loves me unconditionally and teaches me from wrong to right. And the steps are showing me right there what I need to change and how I need to change and I, how I need to ask my higher power to help me that, in that area. But I had set everything aside, you know, my sponsors, and I put everything aside. Now, you need to surrender to God, and you need to ask God to help you with the food. And whatever you did before, it didn't work, so this is a new way you're going to start. You know, you struggled for 25 years of your life. It didn't work. Now this is going to be a new way, Vasa. And, again, I, was, I did the first three steps. I was ready and willing to do whatever she told, told me to do. I didn't want to die. And, um, and I have developed this personal relationship with God that I have every single day. It's not like once in a while, like once or twice a year going to church or once or twice a year, you know, getting on my knees, asking for help. It's I have that constant relationship um, daily, daily. And and but again, I I guess this um you know what we are talking about the we have had we have the the spirit in within us, but you know we were born with it, but it was blocked. For me, it was probably blocked, of course, the food addiction. And then, you know, um, and then distractions in my life. And I also didn't think I, they could, I could get connected with God. You know, God lived in heavens. I lived on earth. So there was a big gap, big separation. So uh, the work, worshiping part, yes, I, you know, I'm glad that God gave me the children, and he gave me the husband. I worked. I worshipped so many things, and but there was there wasn't peace there. There was always, and there, I always struggled with um, peace, and I, I felt I wasn't content with what I had, and I always was looking for something more to fill the hole in my heart that God was missing. So I tried to fill it up with. Other things, you know, could be material things, could be love, could be children, could be my house, getting the house. And then, of course, the more I, then I turned even more to food because that was not enough, you know. So I turned to the food even more to the point it wasn't working anymore. And I thank God that I was brought in the program just at the right time because it was getting progressive, and I could see other people in the program, you know, they, you know, like, they, they, their health became even, the, you know, their health, was, their health was compromised with the food addiction. And I was probably on the borderline, you know, with diabetes, you know, high blood pressure. So I was on the way. So I'm so grateful I stayed and I listened and I didn't get to that point yet. And if I didn't find the program, I wouldn't even be here today. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you so much. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? This is 
Kim. This is Judith in London. This is Paula. Judith. Anita L. Okay. I have Kim G, Judith, Paula, Deb, and Anita. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. We'll go in that order. Kim, you're up. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. It, now, what's it? It is power. Power may be obscured by calamity, by pomp, by worship of other things. And I looked up the word obscured. It means dark, dim, murky, concealed by confusing information. I mean, that's what we need access to this power. You know, what's calamity? I heard it described once. If you want to know what calamity is, think of a microchip could be embedded in your brain and on a, a megaphone, your thoughts are put out to everyone all day long. That is what calamity sounds like. We need to quiet that chatter somehow. You know, and when, when Eddie came to Bill and they worked on these, they, they didn't work on the big book, they worked on the state's six tent. The book he brought, which is the only book that is mentioned in this big book, is William James's Variety of Spiritual Experiences. And the thing that really hit Bill was this idea that a spiritual experience had two qualities. One was calamity, which we're talking about here, which is, I don't know anyone who's come to LA on a good roll. We're coming here because we're desperate. But the second was that it was transitory. And that's when Bill came up with the idea that he had to give this away. He had to recreate the spiritual experience because he was going to lose it otherwise. So that's what we're trying to do. We need to create a spiritual experience. So not because we need to create God or we need to create power, but we need to get access to that power. And it's obscured by light, by things that are going on. I need access to a power greater than me because I have proven through my step one experiences, that I suck as the manager of my life. So I think of it this way as well. I'm from New Jersey. When we had Superstorm Sandy come running through our, my town, and I opened my door that next day, I didn't have electricity for seven days. We talked about electricity earlier in the chapter. I believe in electricity. Well, I could turn my light switches on and off. I could turn my TV on and off. Until that power was hooked back to my house, Electricity was irrelevant. I need access to that power. And it's obscured. So how do I get access to that power? The guys out on the PSCNG were out there playing with the, the, the Transformers to get me access. I, as a compulsive overreader, need to work these steps. I need to get unblocked from this power so I can have access to it. It's obscured. It's not that it's not there. I have to, to search fearlessly. So step one, I am convinced that I suck as the manager of my life. In step two, I acknowledge that I need a power and that it is obscured by calamity, by pomp, and by my worship of other things. And in step three, we're going to make a decision to seek that power and get unblocked to have that unobscured so we can have access to that power. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Judith, you're up. Hi, thanks. Thanks for your service. This is Judith W. in London, UK, um, recovered in UK. Um, yeah, my experience with this is um, that this whole, this, I mean, it's so powerful, this page. I've got so much, so many marks up in my book here. Um, but anyway, the, the reality for me is, is it talks to me about freedom and truth. Um, it tells us that a lot of people were um, getting freedom, like they had this great revelation 
that they could that they could move from this complete utter despair uh, to this free space. Uh, and for me, it was about there's definitely got to be a truth about me that I don't know. And I've been in the program for bloody years and years and years. I mean, I kind of knew like I shouldn't be so fat, but you know, there was no other truth to follow it. Um, I kind of knew that I would eat too much and I'd always go back to it. I couldn't stop myself from starting again. But I didn't really know the truth. And because I was not religious, it was often hard for me to grasp the concept of God. But for me, I turned it into just the word of good orderly direction, that the universe itself has some kind of order and that there is some kind of usefulness for me and there is some kind of truth for me. Um, and so when it says, you know, deep down inside, every man and woman is a fundamental idea of this truth. I read it that way. It helped me a lot to understand it that way. That it might be obscured by my manic, maniac, crazy, insane thinking, this calamity of life. Here I was, this, um, you know, this person who was doing a lot of good things, but I was just stumped when it comes to a lot of these crazy thoughts I had about food. And that it was being driven by thousands of forms of fear that I couldn't see. And by pomp, my pride, and etc., and, and and worship of work and other things. But deep down, I knew that there had to be a bit of truth. And um, when I really understood the instructions about how to get to that truth, and then I followed somebody who had already done that, I got it for the first time. And, and this was after being in program for many, many years, winning and losing, so to speak. Um, so I do think that for for me, translating it in a different way helped, especially for those who are not religious like myself. Um, to really understand that deep down in me there is a universal order, that there is a source, and that it's connected to the rest of the universe, and it wants me to learn the truth and then to be fearless about going to that great reality. Um, and it says in the last analysis, I love that statement, that in the last analysis, meaning like at the end of my tether, just before I commit myself to the Blimin Asylum, and just before I wanted to off myself because I was so sick of my compulsion, you know, then I meet my maker, then I meet this universal order that has taken away from me this prejudice about all kinds that has taken from me all these things and made an honest person of me to be more truthful. And so now I can live in the freedom. And thank God, for nearly a year now I've had that freedom. Thanks for letting me uh, share and that I pass. Thank you, Judith. And Paula, you're next. Paula D. Thank you. This would be Paula D. Um, Compulsible for you to recover today because of the grace of God and with it. And I thank you for your service here and this opportunity to, to speak. In an opportunity it is. I will be mindful of the time. Uh, and that's, may I add, that's what I need to do today in life. <laughs> actually, we were fooling ourselves so deep down. You know, actually, I'm positive. That's what it is. A certain being positive. I was fooling myself, but here we come, and I love this. It says so often in the big book, all. Well, look at what they've said here. Every man, woman, and child, all. So here I am joined in the fundamental idea of God. It may be obscured, and I know this was sh shared before. For me, obscured was blocked. It was blocked. I was like a little child running around trying to get at something that I couldn't get at. And there I was banging myself again and again. Calamity and pomp, another word for pomp, and here it is for me, self-importance. This is what this disease is. It's a selfish disease. It's a disease of self. But as we go through here, and we can see every line, every word, 
is powerful, but it is more than what the words are saying. It what the words did in my life. And it says here, and as it changes, we finally, oh, what a breather here, honey. A deep breath. Finally saw that faith in some kind of God. I don't have to tell anybody their kind of God. Some kind of God was a part of a makeup of was who I was. I never saw that. Just as much as the feeling we have for a friend. What kind of feeling do you have for a friend? Friend means an attachment to another by affection. By affection, no fear. We had to search fearlessly. We seek what we find. What we find, what we seek. He was there. A fact. May I, and I'm going through these lines, that's what we need to do in life. We found the great reality. Reality, a state of being real. I'm not make-believe anymore. I don't have to pretend. A real, deep down within us, we all know that line. And to the wives, the power of God goes deep. It must, you must understand the depth of this disease. That's why we need 12 steps, not one. Not two, we need 12 each and every day. That's surrender at the beginning. Who I am and who God is. It is only there that he may be found. And he may. It was so with us. Thank you for allowing me this time. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Deb, you're next. Hi, good morning. This is Debbie Kay from New Jersey. And uh, I want to thank everybody for the wisdom on the line this morning. This paragraph, beginning with actually we were fooling ourselves, is a paragraph of extreme joy for me. Um, I find myself absolutely joyful because it tells me that deep down in every man, woman, and child, and that includes me, is the fundamental idea of God. What that sentence is telling me is that it exists in me. I have it. I own it. It is there, a fundamental idea of God. And nobody can take that away from me. It is mine. In my core exists this fundamental idea of goodness, of beauty, of respect, of love. It is there. I own it. And when the day comes that I am on my deathbed and I am taking my last few gasps of breath, I will still own that power. It belongs to me, not the power, excuse me. It's not that I own the power. I will still own my fundamental idea. And I can tap into that idea. I can access that idea every minute of every day that I want to. I can tap into my core when I am joyful, when I am sad, when I am going through struggles, that fundamental idea exists, and I love it. I am joyful. 
thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Debbie. Anita, your turn. Hi, this is Anita L. from Philadelphia. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Thank you, Anita L. Oh, great. Hi, thank you. Um, First of all, before I start to share, I just want to make an amend to the group for being uh, late unmuting and um, causing an interruption in the flow of the meeting this morning. So uh, I do apologize for that. Um, I would like to share about this paragraph, and I feel really moved by all the shares that I heard this morning to the point that I almost started uh, crying before um, when one person was sharing because I came into OA, as I've said before, to lose weight. You know, I knew nothing about 12-step programs, so I didn't know what I was getting into. And so when they started to talk of God, I was, you know, I didn't want to hear any thing like that. Just give me the diet. I want to lose weight. And, you know, then I guess it must have just molded around in my brain. And a few months later, I was very desperate with life, not with the weight situation, but with life. I was abstinent at the time. Obviously, I must have been abstinent because all of a sudden, the thought popped into me. So this just proves where it says in each and every one of us is the fundamental, deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. So it may be blocked by by my will, by things that happen in my life, uh, or even good things. I could just be blocking it. However, God is there. And when I was desperate and didn't know where to turn, the thought instinctively, just intuitively popped into my mind. They say in OA, let go and let God. And that was, for me, a spiritual experience, just like what Bill had. I had a sudden and profound spiritual experience and I just like what it says in the book I wanted and needed God and I had to have a higher power and I was very uh, naive back then and, and felt that I only could find it in my place of worship so I went to uh, the building where I knew I could find God and there it was found And I left with such a peace and serenity and knowledge that I would be okay. And yesterday I was sharing with my sponsee on faith and, you know, just hearing people talk about it and reading about it um, in, in the paragraph here just showed me that faith is the way to go and that I can trust my higher power, because I've designed my higher power to be what I need it to be. And so, therefore, all will be well in my life, even amidst the calamity. So thanks for that, I pass. Thank you, Anita. And um, I'd like to share for a minute. Actually, we were fooling ourselves for deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. 
and for me, I was, I was brought up um, with that um, belief, and I didn't believe that God was going to help me with my eating problem, and I thought it was just this little eating problem. I didn't think that um, the rest of my life was as big of a mess as it was, and it wasn't until I admitted that I was completely defeated and my life just spiraled completely out of control even when I um, was doing exactly what I wanted, even when, uh, you know, I was actually worse when I lost the weight. I did for, you know, a few minutes one time in OA lose just about all my weight, and I was crazier than I had, had been or thought I would ever be. And, of course, I got crazier. So I, I was really cornered when um, – I thought that God didn't really care about um, my eating problem, and I was trying to figure out how I could do it on my own. And, of course, it was um, the other people's belief that God would help me that got me started. And then, you know, as one day builds on the other, I can see now in my own experience how many things that God has brought me through. And this road of recovery is nothing absolutely nothing like I envisioned. It is so much better than just being able to wear the same clothes season after season after season. It is so much more than, um, you know, just uh, having a fellowship, having a meeting to go to every day. It is, you know, it is uh, miraculous. And I want to, you know, shout it from the rooftops, but people shouted it from the rooftops to me for years in OA, and I was not ready to hear it. I had to hit my own bottom. And if, you know, I, I just hope that, you know, someone out there on the line this morning is done and is ready to pick up this program and say, okay, I've had enough. I don't know what the future holds, but what I'm doing is not working. And that's the point where I had to be before I was willing to look deep down inside and say, yes, God, please help me. With that, I'll pass. And who else? Uh, we have time for two more shares. Hi, it's Naomi. Could I share? This is Janice. Naomi. Yes. Is it okay? Mary, yeah. go ahead. Oh, good. Naomi. Thank you very much. Good morning, and thank you for your service, and good morning, visionaries. Well, this really jumps out at me. Oh, my goodness, about it may be obscure by calamity. And then the other was um, by worshiping of other things. Oh, boy, did I worship other things. I worshiped every bag and box and bottle that I could get my hands on. That was my God. Before I came into OA, it was like I I turned everything over to God, everything over to God, but you can't have my food because that's mine. That belongs to me. And in doing that, I was able to, uh, uh, that God, with a small g, go up to like 280 pounds, because that was my God. And when I came into OA, the first meeting I came to was a big book, and I'm thinking, why would you be reading about alcohol? My problem is food. It's not alcohol. Then when I finally got it, unfortunately not from the regular OA meetings, but from vision starting to listen to vision, starting to read this big book, 
and realizing how lax I was. And then when I I came on the the chapter of the agnostics, why are you kidding me? I don't have to read that. I have a relationship. I go to church. Boy, was I agnostic. I was an agnostic in so many levels, it wasn't even funny. But when I became unblocked to my higher power, everything fell into place. Listening to, I am a student of the world. Listening to vision every single morning faithfully. Reading and ingesting every single word. This is my God. My God is my higher power. And by his grace, he loves me. And and being abstinent and the food is where it should be in God's kingdom. And I don't have to worry about it. And when calamity comes, oh boy, and you know calamity comes in a life, I hold his hand that much tighter. And with that, I pass. Thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you so much, Naomi and Janice P. You will be our last commenter for this part of the meeting. Thank you. Mm, thank you. Thank you very much. This is Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You know, we were fooling ourselves. You know, I don't know about you, but I was fooling myself. You know, I was fooling myself into believing that I could duck the issue. You know, cannot duck the issue. I don't know if you get to the same place that I got to. But I was sunk. You know, I, crazy cannot fix crazy. And that's where I was. You know, my crazy thinking. I was not, let me tell you, emotionally mature. I was not, you know, I was managing in a lot of different areas of my life, I thought. I thought. I thought I was acting competent and, and, uh, and you know, doing the deal. But the truth was, the obsession had me by the throat. My thinking, my thinking, you know, allergy of the body, you know, that was pretty much undeniable. That was pretty much undeniable because once I picked up, I couldn't stop, and I couldn't stop myself from starting again. So I was sunk, and I couldn't up the issue anymore. And I'd been trying to fool myself. You know, looking around at other people that seem to have sort of this spiritual, quote-unquote, but I would smile, just like it says here in the big book. You know, feeling slightly superior, but totally crazy. My crazy thinking could not fix my crazy thinking. And this beautiful big book describes me, to me, in great detail. You know, once someone in whom the problem had been solved was there with me, walking me through this book, I got an education like I'd never had before. I could see myself described, and I could see myself in her experience. Different though we may be in many areas of our lives, many of us here on the line, totally different from one another. We live in different parts of the world. We have different jobs, different backgrounds but oh, so human and oh, so the same. And that's what I found. You know, I found in clinging to that, that if that worked for her, this higher power, this greater good, that maybe it could work for me too because I had a great need for it. And I finally could see that my crazy thinking could not fix my crazy thinking. 
and that got me to a place of surrender like I had never been before. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Janice. And thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Deb W. please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Deb W., um, just a second. I was so intent. Okay. Our book is meant to be suggested only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you, Deb W. Um, I'm sorry. Thank you to 